What's going on, quitters? It's another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. You know me. I am your host, comedian Maxim Allen. Today, I am... Uh, no, that's not how I do the intro. The intro, I usually say today is February 26, 2022. Your boy's a little hungover. Very sorry. <laughs> today, I'm joined by a very special guest, consistently funny comedian. Everyone give it up right now for Kevin Mulherin. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Lovely up in the applause. That's so relatable to just come out and tell everybody you're hungover. That's yeah saturday morning aren't we all i i'm like such i'm like such a not drinker but my good friend alex richards who has been in australia for like a year and a half for like visa stuff came back this week so all of us friends got together and like drank a bunch last night and um i woke up at 3 a.m this morning and was feeling so sick i was like oh my god am i gonna have to cancel on kevin <laughs> nope i woke up i chugged a gatorade had some food i'm go. good i'm good, good to go <laughs> i appreciate <laughs> that though. i appreciate the rally that's yeah. uh amazing i was i mean i was tell, just telling you before this mm. the, the, the restaurant with the dope wine list so i really explored last <laughs> night <laughs> do you okay do you do you know much about wine i know like i know there's a few types that i like okay what do you like so like i love like a full like cabernet like a even go like a a zinfandel peanut like i know that i like those Mm. but like other than that when people start talking about like acidity (laughs) and like all this stuff it it just it goes over my head okay that's uh that's fair i'm kind of like um i like white Oh, okay. That's that's as deep as my yeah. level goes. <laughs> I usually like when I if I buy wine, I usually get a, a I'm gonna butcher it like a Sauvignon Blanc. Is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah, Sauvignon Blanc. I don't know what that means, but I know when I drink it, it's I mean, fine. Who knows what it means? <laughs> it's, it's lost in translation for millennia. I think. Yeah, uh, you should get some. I should get a wine nerd on this podcast. You should. I I was telling you my my girlfriend's friend. He he knows his stuff. He is knew. he like a sommelier though? He's not a sommelier, but like he, I think he wants to like train to be one. Mm. It's just expensive. It's, it's so expensive to become a som. It's so stupid. Him. Yeah. It's one of those like gatekeeping hobbies. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. It's like you have to just, and it's super like male dominated. It's, it's sort of like comedy, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a little bit, you know. But also like, like I feel like it becoming a sommelier is expensive because they're like, God forbid a poor person knows anything about wine. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get these pores away from the good stuff. That's yeah, exactly. Not, it's what, uh... <laughs> I feel like there's lots of dudes out there like, I feel like there's like a, a vibe of podcast that's like a guy tries whiskey with his friends and they shoot the shit, you know? That's oh, like that's a, a that's like a trope. Yeah, it's like deal. a very I feel like a like a late thirties, early forties type mm. podcast. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. All beards. You could All see beards, them like owning yeah. a barber shop where they give whiskey to people. Whoa. Yeah. That's that's like a real thing too. That is? I've been to one of those. How was uh, it? Well, I used to go to this place that was, I mean, I, I should not have been getting my hair. It was so expensive. <laughs> but I'm like really weird about my hair. Like I've always been. Um, and I just wanted to try it. It's like this like all, it's all women who, it's like a men's salon. So it's all women cutting your hair. Okay. And they like give you either espresso or like a glass of whiskey when you arrive. Mm. Um, they stopped doing that in the pandemic, but like this was pre-pandemic. Mm. And uh, and all they do, they don't buzz. They only trim. They only like use scissors. And it's um, very expensive and honestly like 
not that much better than any other <laughs> haircut I've ever gotten. So, so tell me uh, if I can ask, what are you weird about your hair about? And we'll, we'll get into the real part of the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no <laughs> worries. But no, no, no. Uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've always like been like in high school. Like I've been in scared because I think I like I've had like a big, big head my whole life. Like okay. even playing like junior football, I had the biggest sized helmet. Okay. Um, and I, it just like needing to like cover up the forehead somehow was like such a big deal to me in mm. high school, and I like grew my hair out, didn't know what I was doing with it. So I, I've always like stressed about it. I don't okay. know why. Yeah. I'm just, I'm kind of in like a, I definitely have like a, I had a big head for a while too, but my weird hair thing is I don't want to think about my hair. Like I don't ever like put product in it or like style it or anything. Like I wake up, I shower and I like yeah. just to toss it or whatever. And if you cut my hair and it's weird. It's not what I'm expecting. Even though I'm literally just like one on the sides and back and then like go down to a finger length on top. You would be surprised how open to interpretation oh, that yeah. is. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> such a... I'm trying to think of what that's like. But it's like, yeah, they they, oh, they just do what they think that means all yeah. the time. Yeah, exactly. I had one woman cut my hair into like, like really, you know, buzz in the sides, goes short on top. But she like left it the same length all the way down the top and back. So it was like I had like a weird short wide mohawk. And I was like <laughs> Sure why it was like no. so it was like almost a mullet. It was like halfway yeah. between a mohawk and a mullet. It's like a mullet if it was just like a half inch long. Like That's so weird. <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> like have you ever like and also, um I'm I don't know if you're like this, but I feel so bad asking them to fix stuff. Oh yes. Oh my god. Yeah, especially <laughs> like they're like you know you're like oh i want it like kind of short and they're like well we let's not do that short and we can always go shorter and that never pans out because i can't go back and be like no i want more off i can't do it yeah it's it's, it's hard i go to a shop um right now with a bunch of i think they're i think it's run by it's in it's in little ukraine in the east village mm-hmm. and like these are these guys are clearly eastern european they're no. friendly but kind of intense and ev- like the last one i got he definitely left it too long on top, but he didn't say anything to me the whole time. And he was really gripping my head when he was oh. cutting. And I was like, I can't be like, hey, man, like another half. Inch. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, a little bit more. Yeah, as long as like it doesn't make me bleed, I would love another half inch off. <laughs> like, that would be sick. But I can't overcome the shame. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're not um, fussing about your hair and getting drunk on wine, <laughs> you're a comedian. When? How long have you been doing comedy? Right now. So, I mean, plus or minus a, the pandemic, you know, whatever. But, like, uh, about two-ish years. I started consistently doing it early 2019, and I had started, like, a little bit in 2018. So, okay. Like two to three years, something like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so when when in your life was your first comedy exposure? Did you have parents who were into stand-up or anything? Or? I definitely was, like, watching. I, I can remember as a kid, like, watching shows that were, like, way above my level like i watched like friends at like four or five years old like weird they because they just had it on and they were like we don't want to watch your stupid kid shit so and i was like there was plenty plenty of jokes that i didn't understand like i had no idea what oh, yeah. doing it was you know mm-hmm. uh and then as far as so that that was and then they always watched snl they were like religiously every saturday night my parents loved uh to watch snl um which might connect better with a four or five year old somewhat yeah <laughs> maybe a little bit like wacky will ferrell sketches yeah they, yeah. Might, they might connect a little better um but uh and then i mean as far as stand-up goes i i remember catching a glimpse of like dane cook at a pretty young age mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. then 
later my first like real like oh stand-up is a cool thing was actually like daniel tosh i i don't know whoa yeah it interest my sister my i have two older sisters my oldest sister was like had him on one mm. day and i thought that it was like the coolest thing i don't know why i don't think i've seen his stand-up ever it's it's <laughs> uh you know it's kind of what you'd expect i think it's pretty you know like uh offensive all that mm-hmm. um but you know as a kid at the time i thought it was like the funniest thing ever <laughs> um yeah <laughs> so so how so dane cook right that's probably like vicious circle time probably about that yeah and it's funny because i kind of uh so i don't know if this is what you but like prepping for the podcast i listened to the benny episode right, right. kind of said dane cook as well i was like oh man uh <laughs> gotta i gotta make it different but uh he yeah I, definitely vicious circle and mm-hmm. it was just I, I don't even have a like memory of the bits or mm-hmm. anything i just remember watching it and th- being this is crazy that someone can just do this i feel like people when that came out n- no boy my age would shut the fuck up yeah. about it but <laughs> like credit where credits do the breaking in and en- breaking and entering bit is very funny where he's like yeah. he wants to break into someone's house and not steal anything but like move some stuff so they spend their whole life free like what did he take yeah that's, you know? whole, that's <laughs> hilarious that's actually really funny that's like a great bit yeah he, yeah people shit talk to him a lot but i yeah he definitely was a great I, for the time especially mm-hmm. like brand new like super like high energy like yeah crazy on stage yeah he had, uh, there's like a vague thing I remember of like a car accident. Doesn't he have like a car accident bit or something? I can't. I think he killed three people in a car accident. That's what he, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm too gullible. You can't do that to me, Maxim. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't know about his car accident bit. All right. Then, I don't know. This Then it's going nowhere. Um. So did you, uh, so you mentioned Dane Cook and then uh, Daniel Tosh. Was yeah. there anyone else that you watched early on? Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was just those two. I didn't really get super into stand up until like high school is when I discovered Louis. Okay. And that was like I watched everything Louis had. I thought he was, I was just, How old are you? I'm twenty six. Okay. So right. like I just discovered. it wasn't that Louis came out when I was in high I just discovered him. Right, for right, myself. right, right. Like not that okay. I because I, I guess my like Louis discovery was like my first year of college. Cause I'm like, I'm turning twenty eight this year. Right. So I was like but I don't know how I didn't, I wasn't even aware of him before that. Yeah. So similar, you know? Yeah. It's, it was kind of like, yeah, he, he, I don't know. It was, it was just like every, it was that thing of like, you, you it's people pointing out things you already like knew existed, but mm-hmm. in a way that you couldn't articulate. <laughs> right. And it was just a light bulb. Yeah. And Louis back then was like that, like you couldn't be funnier than him. Yeah. I feel like all of his early specials, it was like, well, why would you watch any other comedian? <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely. Between like, I mean, you know, chewed up. Uh, my favorite one is, Oh my God, the HBO one where he's in Arizona on like this, the center stage. Mm. And he's like that, that one, there's so much like, it's just top to bottom. Like, so strong not to like compliment a guy who put, pulls his penis out but he's stuck in a war zone right now yeah so. that's true yeah he might be he might end up being a war hero by the time this podcast comes out so we could we could use some positive louis publicity at this point if louis ck is a war hero by this coming tuesday i will be <laughs> i will be astounded yeah <laughs> it'll be like russia stop have you thought about how much my kids suck yeah <laughs> cut it out <laughs> oh my god yeah I, that's such a weird someone like i've seen a million takes on twitter but like someone's like this is the weirdest b story i've ever yeah. seen yeah <laughs> is that he's just stuck in Ukraine. i'm like how 
I don't know. It, 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 this timeline is all fucked up. Yeah. It's all fucked up. But anyway, you get into Louis. Um, do you you binge the specials? Do you watch Louis the show at all? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And that's like, you know, you see him like in the cellar and mm-hmm. stuff and you get exposed to that. And I'd also seen like a little bit of, I, I I've never like watched it through and through, but like a little bit of Seinfeld. So like I mm-hmm. kind of was exposed. But like, um, yeah, it wasn't until college is like when I like started to like think about like comedy as like a real thing in a way. Question, mm-hmm. side question. This is a sidetrack. Do you okay? So I remember watching Louis and they had the Comedy Cellar, right? Is the Comedy Cellar famous except for being featured in like co- shows about comedians? Is it is it a better club than every other club? I don't. I guess I yeah. never really thought about that, or if it's just like a construct in my mind. I think. Well, I th- I th- I they might have like gotten like to the level they're at now because of shows like Louis. Mm. Um, I I'm not sure like what their status was. Like, I actually so I don't know if you watched Aziz's most recent special. Mm-hmm. It's the thirty minutes on Netflix. It's actually like very good. Um, I thought it was, the ending was like really great. Makes some great points. But um, the at the very end, like after the credits, it shows him on stage at the comedy cellar when he first started comedy. Like mm-hmm. probably like his second or third set ever. And the end of the stand up class. On literally, stage. no, literally, yeah. it's like he mentions how he's like I gotta. Co-, he's like talking to the club guy and he's like i gotta come back next week and bring six people so he was doing a bringer at the comedy cellar which is not a thing now um, whoa yeah they don't need to do bringers anymore i no. think <laughs> i guess it's interesting though because i never thought that they would be a bringer type venue i figured that they'd just like especially now it's like yeah you can do the class and be on the stage there but also like you gotta be great to be there. yeah so, i don't yeah. know yeah i it's so interesting because it's like you know before all the the you know, great comics that came through there and like, you know, Louis putting it in a show or like, you know, whatever, whoever else like, put, you know, filming their special there. It's like, were they kind of just another club in the city, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And they Which like, would be weird. Yeah, it would be. But so I, yeah. I hold them in such high esteem where I'm like, this is truly the only club that matters. Right? They, I don't they're know. like the most exclusive. Yeah. yeah. They're the most, you need what, like two, three that's what i've heard anyway i don't know <laughs> i don't know i i have done nothing in the club world of comedy that's fair not yeah. even the bringers baby i'm, I'm <laughs> clean you, my yeah. spirit is untarnished i am tainted as hell uh, <laughs> i did my first year of comedy i did like so i did the industry room which everyone if the listeners don't know is like the big bringer in the city that gets like a big full audience mm-hmm. and every comic under the sun does it so good for maxim for not doing it <laughs> um and i did that when i first started and then was it a seven or a five person it's i think it's six it was six and okay. i but like i've never luckily like i have pe- people i'm from jersey so i've mm. had always had people around who can i can like get to like come to stuff who nice. aren't comedians yeah that is a rare resource. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's what I call my friends the resources. The resources. Yeah, yeah hell yeah. <laughs> no, whenever we, me and David, have a comedian on two virgins, and they bring like three friends, we're like, we have them back, right? Because yeah, <laughs> they brought <laughs> they brought audience members. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's like funny. I would like the people who people who especially went to NYU who stayed in the city and then go into comedy. Yeah. Those people. They yeah. got connections. Oh my god, it's insane! <laughs> How many... There's some people who like mainly do bringers because they can just keep getting people. So they, I, I feel like I've seen that. Like at bringer shows, I'm like, oh, what shows do you do? And they're like, 
that this this and this and i'm like oh those are all bringer shows like that's crazy <laughs> they're like what shows do you do and you're like free ones yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> the ones where they they pay me uh, yeah well not those so much but yeah uh, yeah <laughs> it's funny like whenever i pay comedians like an, they're even cut of show donations and i'm like here you go uh give me your venmo all right it's five dollars yeah exactly <laughs> i'm sorry but you're welcome <laughs> but it's also like if you think about like i mean obviously it's like they they might be sitting around at the show for a while but realistically i think about it and if i get five bucks on a donated show and like i did you know seven minutes like oh that's almost that's like fifty dollars an hour that's yeah, pretty true. good that's not bad it's that's, not the worst i mean it's very it's very high pay for the amount of time invested but yeah. and you get five dollars if you bomb too that's, that's fine that's the best yeah it's not merit-based at all baby that's not the... merit-based <laughs> so you're in college you're kind of getting into it and you kind of re- start realizing it's something you can actually do is there something yeah. that like pushes you to like start yeah, yeah so... was it a breakup no no Ooh, i, I actually out. yeah no i didn't <laughs> No, oh, is that is that's a common theme. Is like very common. Heartbreak is like, all yeah. right, I need to talk about it. Whenever I can pay an editor to do it, I, like years down the line, I'm going to get a super cut of all the comedians saying I started after a breakup. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, just so you can add me in, I started after a breakup. Just so you can add me into the super cut. I don't want to be left out. There you now. go. Okay. Um, no, I so I started so. It was like I was in college and I played like rugby. I studied business. I was just kind of doing whatever and I didn't really have any direction. And I hated business. And I, and I, I had one friend who uh, his name's Harrison, a uh, great guy. Um, he basically like was kind of did shows in the city a little bit like he mm-hmm. did ringers. And one time I went and watched his ringer and I was like, Oh, like I watched not just him, but like the other comedians. I was like, oh, people can just do this. Like, yeah, because it's that thing of like you see the special and you're like, oh, that's unattainably mm-hmm. impossible to do. Um, And so like, yeah, I, I saw him do that. And then, you know, it was like my senior, junior, senior year, something um, senior year. Uh, there was like a new show on campus that was like a late night style sketch show mm-hmm. and basically my friend was like hey you should send me it you should submit a writing packet i forgot about it and then like the day it was due he texted me he's like did you submit and i was like oh no so like i was at an internship at an insurance company at lunch i just wrote up a packet as fast as i could like 10 jokes a full sketch like all this other sketch ideas and i submitted it and i somehow got like one of five writing spots I was whoa like, yeah so i was it's cool. like that that kind of thing i was like oh like maybe i there's a little something it's mm-hmm. a little bit of like taste of like oh someone found me funny just on my writing so like right there's a possibility here um so i did that that sketch show and you know i'm I'm not gonna say it was good uh <laughs> it was all college kids who'd never really done comedy uh but it was fun you know i had a good time mm-hmm. and uh after right after we graduated my friend harrison set up like shows around like our he lived kind of close to me in his hometown so like did restaurants around there and it was basically just friends and it was a good time um and so that's how i started stand up you so you started doing these like homebrew diy stand-up shows basically basically yeah it was like four or five of them just in like the month of august 2018 and that was like how it was a nice start because Mm -hmm. like you know a lot of the starting stories are like brutal open mics which yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and it was actually really hard to make the transition to open mics after doing shows where your friends are there Mm -hmm. and it's like you know, I remember doing one of the shows he packed out. It was like 
80 people at a brewery whoa it was like a lot of people yeah it was crazy um but it was uh yeah it was a good time it was a good introduction and how then, how were your how was your material back then not you know not great um obviously <laughs> did it you was, do okay at the shows at least or i remember um doing yeah like having some decent moments mm -hmm. um obviously you know with friends in the crowd it's a little easier um and like i i found that there was one bit that i did about like going to a strip club um that like turned out to like not have its liquor license and it was all terrible and very sketchy and I did that story and I found that I was like a pretty decent storyteller just like off the cuff. Mm. Like so like and then being able to write uh stories was was a something that kind of came a little bit quicker to me mm -hmm. than like you know joke jokes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I guess you kind of do kind of narrative type yeah, comedy. Yeah. I found that like a lot of my uh better things can be like more into like stories and like you know go off into like uh but i do i try and like challenge myself to like write more of like jokes because i know that's like i think it's just a good skill even mm -hmm. if you know you find yourself doing more of like a story thing it's like yeah but it's like you know someone like berbiglia he, he mike berbiglia he knows how to write a joke mm -hmm. he just knows also how to write a really good story that yeah. stretches into an hour um but i Are Here's my hot take. Uh, fuck writing. Uh, don't write shit ever. Don't yeah, record yeah, anything. Know. Just yeah. wing it. Just a riffer and a, just fuck writing, dude. Yeah. No, whenever I actually write like a concise joke, I'm like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can still do Like, that's why I love roast battles. Because when I do a roast show, I'm like, oh, my God, I actually wrote like yeah. five to ten real jokes. <laughs> like, they're, they're about someone. I can never do them again, but I can still do it you, technically. You can prove it to yourself once yeah, in a while. That exactly. You still have the skill. <laughs> Yeah. and um yeah so that was those were the first shows the first the very first show was the most interesting because yeah. he he had set up a, a show at this restaurant um just like and you know we had it scheduled but then the manager of the restaurant called him back and was like hey there's this birthday party and they want comedians can you and your you know two guys do it and my friend was like yeah like how much like and basically my very first stand-up set was an 85 year old woman's birthday party <laughs> At 2 p.m. on a Saturday. Oh, my um, God. And I got, and I did 13 minutes and to, like, basically, luckily, there was, like, one table in the back of, like, younger cousins who, like, did kind of vibe with me a little bit. And it was my first time, so I was, like, nervous as hell. And uh, then I remember the, um, I just remember, like, looking at, there was, like, the older, like, aunts in the front who were just, like, very politely, like, nodding at my thing. They're like, he seems nice. Like. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah 13 minutes i did 13 minutes i just did as much as i had whatever i had because it was just me my friend and then this older guy who was a good you know he'd like been around doing comedy for a long time mm -hmm. i don't know how my friend knew him they were just like in, lived in the same town um but he so he was at least they got their money's worth but like i made a hundred dollars whoa <laughs> yeah we each made a hundred dollars it was so messed up it was six hundred dollars an hour almost it's pretty pretty much yeah it's pretty good it's pretty good <laughs> pretty good deal <laughs> the okay even now i've been doing comedy like three and a half years mm -hmm. i did a show in october or so yeah october in rhode island and the crowd was mostly middle-aged people and old people, and I still panic after three years. When I see a crowd of old yeah. people, I'm like, oh, no. You're like, oh, you're gonna how, hate me. Yeah, how like, much are you going to hate me? Um, I, like, Or when at Two Virgins, if we have a crowd that kind of is in the bar, and they're kind of like, 
they're kind of corporate people who are like mm-hmm. at the show. The like, there's you realize how specific the like Bushwick party comedian like material is yeah. when you watch someone else do it, and all these old people be like, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's like what was what, that a what's a euphoria? Like they're like they, <laughs> this person on stage just admitted to doing coke. Yeah, that, I, that do they know coke is illegal? Yeah, did they know that's a crime they just admitted to? Are they? Should yeah. I call my two brothers who are both cops? I don't, I don't think those people. Yeah. No. So what was your what was your early material like? Because I don't you are not I don't think you're a dirty comic at all. You're like you're pretty clean overall. That's fun, funny because I do have like a lot of my stuff. I feel I recently I was like, too much of my stuff goes back to sex all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even a joke that starts clean, I'm like, oh well, let's talk. Let's compare it to porn or compare it to you know. It's like, but I I guess I'm trying to think of like what type of stuff I did. I had a really offensive like Stephen Hawking joke. That Uh-oh. I'm glad that I never oh, no. went in that direction with my comedy. <laughs> um, I, I mean, what, I don't remember what the premise was. It was, it was like something was, about there's an impression somewhere in there. No, no, actually, <laughs> no? there wasn't. I was smart enough not wow. to do that, but I, I don't even want to say it because it's like I think I remember. If I'm thinking about what the premise is now and I know what it is, it's actually like pretty bad. Okay, but sure. I'll say like whatever. I've learned not to talk about things like that. Yeah, and also it's just not who I am. <clears throat> I think I just was like. I think comics who are new come in with that all the time. They're like, well, comedians are supposed to th- say the thing that you aren't supposed to say. Absolutely not. Yeah, it, that's it, not what it is. It's yeah. like, that's how you... Uh, we had someone come to an open mic this week who totally did that. Oh, and, oh I was there. Oh, you were there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I stayed till the end, baby. That last oh. guy. Oh. <laughs> how to kill the energy of the room. Like, yeah, it was a great mic top uh, to bottom. Especially like right before him, the last comedian was like so good. And we're all like... Uh, that girl yeah uh, she was great yeah, yeah she was she was awesome fucking awesome and it was like all right we're gonna have a good strong end to this yeah. he goes up there and just immediately <laughs> says him and uh so i'm quoting now uh him and the this black comedian who had been on earlier in the mic he said that guy has a beard and i don't we shouldn't go to the same institution we should be segregated and i was like and then he but then the worst yeah. part was yeah. he didn't even ex- he just goes anyway and then does the rest and, of his set and no he goes anyway uh has anyone talked about the weather yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you're like no you gotta if you're gonna make a point i'm sure there was something in his head that made that like that comparison make sense but he did not explain it to anyone oh my and god that makes it like it was already bad what you're saying but it makes it 20 times worse now that you didn't yeah try that. and i mean it's like every everyone starts new at some point and fucking sucks a bag of dicks at yeah. some point. But yeah. like, good for him that it was in a 12-person open mic and not like at it an was... 80-year-old's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, other than that Stephen Hawking joke, my the rest of my material was like, I had one joke that I still would be like kind of proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, like... The, the structure i mean it's not gonna be great but like i say how i was in college and i commuted to school mm-hmm. so like which means i drove which made it hard to like hook up with women because like you it's really hard to like you know leave a bar and then get onto an interstate highway in the middle of that like because like that yeah. sends the wrong message which is like mm-hmm. you know that that joke i actually was like but then everything else was like khaki like how I hated being in bars. It was all like, you know, 22 mm. year old type stuff. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, 
so that was like kind of what it was like. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So these shows you said were in 2018. Yeah. So when did you transition to doing real open mics? That was like t- January 2019. Okay. Um, I so like I was living in Jersey City. I did those shows, and then I kind of just stopped for a while, and I was like working mm-hmm. a you know full time job, and eventually I was just like you know after a few months of that i was like playing video games all the time with my friends and whatever i was having an okay time but i was like oh wait i moved to jersey city because i wanted to like try comedy why am i not doing yeah, so yeah. like i forced myself excuse me sorry coffee burp um i forced myself to like go to open mics um actually i was kind of like lucky that i had months before like planned to do the industry room mm-hmm. um bringer show because then i it made me like go try things and right like right do things and the show like there was like one joke maybe that was like okay and then if you know you watch it back your early stuff and you're like wow um that was rough <laughs> uh but that so like i did that and that's when i like after that i was like okay like let's make this a thing mm-hmm. yeah so what was, do you remember what your first open mic was in the city in the city <clears throat> um i'm trying to think where did I go? I want to say it might have been uh, what is now the comedy shop. Oh, that's the, the first the memory lantern. I had. It was the lantern at the time. Um, and yeah, that was, te- I mean, terrible. Like, Miserable. Obviously. Night- I mean, yeah, nightmare it's, experience. It's bad enough. It's bad <laughs> enough now when you're like an okay comic who like, also when, knows everybody there yeah who knows everybody <laughs> there yeah and they all give you the benefit of that but they still the root i don't know what it is about some of those mics but and then but then like you when you're bad it's even worse because you just so don't bad. know how to handle it and you're like what what is happening like that was know? one of my early like spirit breaking mics like yes. the first time lee brought me to the lantern oh my god yeah. it just <laughs> Just pitch black room. Yes. Everyone is on their phone or in their notebook. You go up. The light is in your eyes. You can't see anybody. And yeah. it's silent. And then everyone leaves right after their set. And it's like, God. I had to buy a drink for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, I paid money for this. I think that says something about me. Um, it's brutal. Yeah. those that, that, that room, I've had some pretty bad open mics there. Um, I don't know about you. Whenever I'm I'm doing open mics a lot, I'll have like a nice like little mini meltdown every like once every like few months on stage. Really? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's my favorite. I do I always feel better though after. Like it's a mic where you're doing stuff and you're like this should be funny. Mm-hmm. And then you just see everyone in the room and you're like I that's this can't be me right. Like I know you know what I mean? You can read your own energy and be like I know when I'm not being funny a right, little bit. Right. Right. But like sometimes I just get to that point where I'm just like, this is so frustrating because we could all be having a good time right now. We're all here. We all, yep. you know, we all paid to be here. We all want to do. We all like comedy, don't we? Like, mm-hmm. it's so weird sometimes. But you know, it that's that's one of the things that's really frustrating about, especially like the pre-pandemic mics. Is just like you would be doing so many mics and all of them suck, and then. I feel like I didn't have the the mindset back then to fully step out and be like, I'm just going to only do mics I like or feel good about, yeah. you know? And now I'm like, yeah, I won't do a mic if it sucks. If I go to a mic, it sucks one time. I'm never going again. Yeah. You know? It's like, so it, there's a, there's a level of like, you know, when you're starting out, getting used to like that bombing feeling, because mm-hmm. like realistically that even at shows, like that's a part of it. So you mm-hmm. do have to like 
be able to be in that and not like want to jump off a cliff after like yeah. you have to get used yep. to that a little bit but there comes a point where you you know you do bomb a good amount and you're kind of more used to it like maybe it'd be different i wouldn't be used to if i was bombing for like 20 minutes as opposed to five <laughs> yeah like, that'd be a little hard <laughs> that'd be hard to get used to now but oh my god um but yeah it's at, at a certain point like it's like it's not even productive like mm-hmm. if you're going to try and get a read on jokes that like on a joke that you know works but you're like you have whatever new tags or whatever um not that you write but you know <laughs> it's it's a, it's a little thing we call a tag yeah <laughs> <laughs> editing and <laughs> yeah i know revising Ugh. um never no but like you, you're like yeah i want to try this tag but then like none of the joke works mm. at this mic that's like dead and you're like oh like is it you know and just doesn't feel like you're getting anything done at yeah that point, so. my thing that like like i think this snapped in me sometime last year where i was just like if i'm going to a mic i'm never ever gonna do material that i already know works like i think yeah. like i understand that sometimes people want to lift the energy of the mic or end on a positive note and do something they've done before but yeah. i'm like if you're not going up there and doing all new shit or new expanded stuff yeah or like a re like a total rework like yeah. it it's not worth it. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. You're, you're going to go to tell jokes for five minutes in front of comedians who have all heard those same jokes. What's the point? I yeah. don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. No, totally. And I've been, like, getting away from that. Like, if I'm, you know, if I feel like I have, like, a semi-whatever big show coming up, I might run, like, a five at multiple different. But I'll, like, make sure that I go to, like, different places. Mm-hmm. that hopefully I'm seeing mostly different people. Yeah. Because I don't want, like, I, I do, like, if I see someone two days in a row and they do the exact same thing at the same place, I'm like, God, like, do a little something, like, change it a little bit, you know? <laughs> Not to talk shit on anyone, whatever. Everyone's at a different part of their, you know, uh, journey or, mm-hmm. or what, what have you. Um, but I don't know why I just said what have you. Who says that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like when you're kind of starting out to, like, you're, I don't know if this is true for you as well, but my first, like, year and a half ish for first probably two years i felt like i just needed to just have good five minutes and just keep doing those same jokes like a little bit this changed out and then after yeah. a certain point i was like why do i keep doing this like yeah it, there's no point i don't know yeah it's like why would i go to uh all like 10 mics in a week to do the same, five the same thing Doesn't... yeah yeah you need time to like either adjust it or like you know decide what direction you know because like i don't know about you if you have like a premise that works there's like six directions you can take it and you like that's you know um yeah i i definitely was it took me a while to like get like a really good five i mm-hmm. think um because like i just i i sucked for like a, a long time like my whole first year i i hate everything about it you know really? what I mean? yeah <laughs> i had like i have some tapes of like some bringers where i did like pretty you know, I had good sets and mm-hmm. like I do like some of the stuff, some of the ideas that I had. Um, but just in general, like I, I don't think I was I think I'm always like constantly trying to do new stuff because mm-hmm. I, I just like feel like I'm changing as a person the more yeah. I like do this. So like I, you know, even the story that I might have told like a year ago, I'm like, but that's not even relevant to my life anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't, you know, feel insecure about that thing anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh yesterday i was saying with david dobbins he made a cool interesting point that like you should record like we should video record our sets and like post clips but only post clips of the topical stuff because Mm -hmm. that's all throwaway 
you it's can so true like you if you record those bits that you're just never going to do again in a year yeah. that aren't going to be relevant in a year you might as well post them you oh know? my god absolutely and i was like that's fucking genius why have i never thought of that like i don't have yeah. anything like recorded on like a real tape at oh this my god, point i know like i have one yeah it's i i find myself writing some of those like uh, topical mm-hmm. bits occasionally because like you know you have thoughts about these things and you're like oh yeah why but then but then I do it's the same thing I'm like well I said it at this mic and it went well and now it's useless because no one cares about that thing anymore. Exactly. Um so like yeah it's such a good point that you know you throw those topical things up that's you know it's such a smart thing because like a lot you know com- we have such finite amounts of material. Yeah. That like that actually works. Like yeah. I couldn't imagine <laughs> posting my like best three jokes and then being like, "Well, that's all, folks. Like yeah. that's, that's it. That's all you get." <laughs> oh my god, I'm playing with the idea of doing um an extended set on my birthday because it falls on a two virgins night. Oh. So I want to do like I want to do 20 minutes, record the whole thing, and just call it "Jokes I'm Retiring" and just do like a that mini special. Sense. That's just all of my best bits at this moment in time so I can get a record of it. Yeah. And then I can be free and liberated from those jokes. And I yeah. don't have to ever go back to them. Because like, I got them. I did it one time. If you want to watch it, go fucking watch it. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to work on new stuff. You yeah, know? <laughs> absolutely. That's so smart. That's such a... Yeah, because like it's it's at this point, like we're all like still, you know, two, three, four years and you're still like relatively new. Yeah. So but you do have jokes that work pretty well. And you're like, well, what if I want to use them on like an album or whatever the fuck, you know, and you're like, but if you do like just get them out of the way, that's such a thing. And you're like, well, let's fucking get some new stuff. Exactly. It's like there was it just. I feel like you just got to move on from stuff like. In my yeah. first year, I had this really, really good two and a half because I did this at like Comedy Works in Denver where like mm-hmm. your first set there is two and a half minutes. And I had this great joke. And it was like it was uh, a joke about me not being able to get laid because I was like a very like nerdy specific type of engineer. Right. Okay. And there was like it was like a double entendre between it was like it was like a. I, I can't believe I'm about to say the P word on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going bringing it out of you. Let's do that. one of the one of the end, one of the punchlines is sorry, ladies. The only pussy I need is back at my apartment, making sure I never get my deposit back. And it's like it's like it was a good line. And like yeah. there's like there's like it, there's like this whole joke. It has like this double meaning all the way through it. And it's a really well constructed joke. But after like after I did it and then especially when I moved to New York City, I was like, that joke isn't good anymore. It's not even relevant to me. Also, yeah. like, uh, I'm a vision board type of guy where I'm like, if you speak it, you kind of manifest it. I don't want to be manifesting me not getting laid because I have a good joke about it. So I retired it. I have a I have a yeah. good recording of it and it will lie in Davy Jones locker That's amazing. <laughs> for my whole career. <laughs> I love the the manifesting not getting laid. I I, I think it's important. I it, think that's probably a problem in the comedy community. Too many guys talk about it, and it's like, hey man, you could you could be yeah. Stop talking about it. And also, it's like the porn jokes. Like I feel like yeah. I don't know. There's I I wrote one joke about porn one time, and it was very short. It was like, you guys ever watch porn? You think, man. These chicks fucking suck at yoga, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's it's so stupid. I did it like twice, and then I was like, I don't, I don't like talking about porn. And I think the people yeah. who like, 
Like, you guys ever see these advertisements before these porn videos? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> is this all we have? Is this all we have to talk about? <laughs> I mean, it's a big part of some people's lives, but I mean, not to say it's not part of mine, but it's, yeah, it's, it's like, I feel like there's so many other things um, out there, like, th- and there's so many ways to, like, be a person, like, to, like, I feel like I'm talking very generally right now, but there, it's like there, there's just go like have an experience, not for stand up, but like sometimes people do that. They're like, yeah, I went camping and now I got a bit about it. Yeah. Because that's probably the only reason I went camping. Um, <laughs> you but, don't do that. I do that all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> all it's the like, time. You get back from the thing, you're like, well, I have thoughts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's like, especially because I, I hate doing things. Like, I'll have a joke maybe that like works and I'm mm. like, this this kind of worked, and I think it's pretty funny. But it feels so similar to like what other people talk about, mm. and I need to cut it. I just hate. I just can't like be the person, you know. And again, I have jokes that maybe hit on common themes, but like I try and put a twist on them that like yeah. at least makes it feel more like mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I have like a a joke about like my like uh, I hope. <laughs> about my girlfriend uh i hope her mom doesn't listen to this um just stop listening right now jothy uh but basically um (laughs) no she like how she like reads porn and like it's like we read it there's like a a moment where like we read it together but she reads so much faster than i do that like i couldn't even like follow it like i had to like be like can you slow down for me (laughs) like as i'm like wait trying to be you're reading porn with your girlfriend's mom she no no sorry (laughs) Oh no! Um, that's that's why the joke isn't working. That's, Devin. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's yeah, weirded out. Everyone's like, <laughs> I'm like, but it's with her mom. It's not that weird. No, <laughs> um, no, with, right, right. with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she reads really a lot faster than me, so like I can't follow. And like that feels like a porn, and like also like a you know sex is weird joke. But like it's it feels like it's a little bit. There's more specificity yes. to it that yeah. makes it feel like more like, oh, this is like something a little bit new. Maybe. It, it also doesn't feel like to me that's a good take. It's a good joke and premise because it also doesn't feel gross because it's just like it's to me it's a reading comprehension joke. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, but just mixed with like I have a uh you know, I I won't uh sully your podcast by saying, you know, erection. Wait, except for it's to okay. say that but. I, I mark it explicit every time because oh, okay. I, I don't remember what I talk about. So <laughs> that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> no, you just got me thinking. Like, imagine like reading porn, but it's like one of those videos where the words just appear in the center of the screen, like yeah. rapid fire. So you're not like reading a page. You're just like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? Just eyes nah. fully locked. In. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're just like trying to six hundred words per minute. Yeah. You have to take Adderall to like get off. <laughs> Adderall's the new Viagra, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think the unique spin is really important. I think it was either like the mic this week or last week. I forgot if it was you or another comedian who did a joke and then they sat down and I was like, yeah, I was literally going to make a joke about that and now I'm not ever. (laughs) Oh, I don't know which one... It was was one of David's mics. I don't know, but it's happened where it's like, usually it's for me, it's like topical stuff. If someone hits a similar topical joke, I'm like, all right, I'm not doing it. Like, yeah. it's it's kind of weird how fundamentally co- comedians are like entertainers, and an audience doesn't give a fuck if your topical joke is the same as a topical joke for a comedian that is not there that evening. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> but for us, we're like, I can't do it. 
And well, he, yeah, you see that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, you know, doing, I'm not like passing any clubs, but I've like been at the clubs before and like you see people doing like vaccine jokes or whatever. And you're like, oh, this is fucking, it's a, so similar to what everyone's talking about. But like this audience doesn't care. Like, yeah, mm. they're like, yeah, vaccines. That's topic. People are taking vaccines. And <laughs> low key, it makes me mad though. The yeah. the pandemic humor is like so beat to death. And I'm just like, yeah. When I see like a pro comic who's like way above open mic level and is coming out to do a show and they're like, God, lockdown was hard, right? Yeah. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Lockdown like- was forever ago, <laughs> um, forever ago in the zeitgeist. Um, I remember watching a comedian in like early 2018 who was like, yeah, I like a, this. He's like 30. He was like 35 some pro com- like road dog he's like yeah you know i really love like old music i like the dead kennedys ramones kind of an old punk but i can get down this new shit people listen to you know i like a little bit of Katy perry every now and then and i was like dude Katy perry oh, I- was big six years yeah, ago <laughs> they think they're being relevant by like <laughs> oh, it's it makes me cringe it's just yeah. like you can't do that <laughs> yeah you can't like act like yeah they'll i'm trying to like think of I feel like people bring up like shows from like twenty like or like long ago all the time, yeah. and it's like let's let's move on. Something <laughs> we have to be honest with ourselves about too is that there's a point where we are going to need to stop pretending like everyone in the audience is a Harry Potter fan. Like yes, because that's so catering to our age group yeah. that there will be a time where like who knows maybe like ten years from now mm-hmm. the people who are twenty. 20 to 25 won't give a fuck about harry potter you know so yeah it's like you know you kind of look at like and and i not this isn't you know true for every but like a lot of like the really experienced you know like successful comedians you hear them talk about stuff and it's like either very specific stories about their life Mm -hmm. or it's like very transphobic oh okay Uh, (laughs) well that (laughs) general transphobia yes uh no but yeah (laughs) but it's like super general it's like like you ever you know have sex with someone and this happens and it's like oh what are we doing he's just scratching the wall oh fuck yeah sorry okay totally used to it um i was up till 3 a.m last night thanks cats (laughs) um no but yeah it's like it's it's like such a general premise that it's like it's like you can see they're getting as many people to relate as Mm, they can yeah um because yeah it's like I, you know, and especially in Brooklyn, it's very big to do like very deep cut specific yeah. references. Yeah. Um, and I, and you know, not shit talking anyone who writes that way, but like it is very like, oh, well, that's the, yeah, the Brooklyn crowd you're doing it for is very cultured and knows what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But you, if, if I, like, I'm like, I'm, I don't get some of this shit that people are talking about. And I'm like 26. <laughs> like, it's not. Yeah. yeah. And you're treading in like dangerous waters at that point. Yeah. I have a, a joke I've, I'm working on right now, which I know I said I don't work on jokes earlier because they're all perfect. Um, <laughs> I have a joke about uh, Korn releasing a new album. I basically start the joke with like, I really hate to say this, guys, but someone has to. I don't think Korn are growing as musicians. <laughs> and talk about how they released a new album this month. Yeah. And Korn, and it's not very good. And at this point in the game, in 2022, Korn releasing a new album feels like a child cooking you breakfast, where it's like, they worked really hard to surprise you, and you appreciate the the gesture, but in the back of your mind, you're like, do I have to eat this shit? Like, <laughs> and, and it's, 
I'm like, I'm what I'm trying to do is I want to talk about things I that are hyper niche that I care about, but also present them in a way like you don't actually have yeah. to know anything. Yes. Like you just have to know that this is a band that was big 20 years ago. Absolutely. You know? That's the way to do like deep cut references is like, you know, the reference isn't the punchline. Yeah. That because you see that a lot. It's mm. like the reference is the punchline and it's like, well, if you don't get it, then you don't get it. But people can do reference stuff by boxing it in a way that anyone can understand it. right that's that's always like where it's fun um, right yeah. what do you think is the uh is the cutoff point what what should everyone know as a reference like what year do you think like a comedian could reference like literary classics and be justified if in being upset if no one understood it like you guys Maybe. fucking haven't read pride and prejudice yeah <laughs> <laughs> like most people I, I haven't read that i know what it's about my girlfriend was in a play um, I'll let her, you know. But, yeah, she'll uh, be on the podcast later. Yeah, she's an actor. She's great. Um, but she, uh, but the is Pride and Prejudice. Um, I don't know. Like, what is the cutoff? Because that's the thing. It's always changing. Right. It's like uh, that thing. There's like a thing on TikTok that I saw that was like some some fucking like Gen Z or which I'm like sort of almost Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Um, but like some Gen Z was like, I found this like you know hidden gem movie. It's called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and then some guy older guy responded to it like no fucking way you're calling that a deep like a <laughs> hidden gem yeah. everyone knows that movie but it's like that's the thing mm-hmm. is like you get to a certain age group and they like it's literally like five like people were five years younger than me like my like i know i've met people <laughs> and they're just very different in what yeah they understand i there's like certain things that people will get mm-hmm. i guess like certain musicians like everyone knows kanye yeah there's certain like musicians that you can like use in a joke. There's certain shows, maybe like Game of Thrones was pretty big, but there's all those people who are like, I must be the only person who's never seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, so like, there's still those people. Terrible but... premise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will take pride in being someone who watched one episode of your Euphoria, was disgusted, and was like, Nah, I'm not watching this. <laughs> not your vibe. Not your vibe. <laughs> not at my all. vibe at all. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what those writers thought high school was like, but it, they're all wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's such an interesting, it's so, yeah. If you could make a joke about any hyper niche thing you're into, what would you do? I've tried to write jokes. It's not even hyper niche, really. They're, they're pretty zeitgeisty years ago, but Blink how I like Blink-182 in mm-hmm. high school. And I thought that, that that was like a personality trait. Like that was like my thing. I was like, because I was, I liked them like 10 years after their popularity. Mm-hmm. So like, I was like, cool for it uh that was like what i yeah you're um, like I'm, yeah i'm into classic rock you yeah, ever heard like, of blink 182 <laughs> you know such uh timeless classics as i miss you and all the small things that's they, my guilty pleasure song i miss you yeah that's oh. like one that i listen like i hate pop punk i have never liked really? it yeah. but that i miss you just the the when like it's the beginning with the bass line it's very cool yeah oh it's such a great song i i remember i watched the on you like youtube days years ago i watched the um it's like an mtv when they did music stuff still Mm -hmm. like doc of like them making that album Mm -hmm. and they like made that song Mm -hmm. and then afterwards tom the uh, lead singer guitarist like was just like all right well one good song now we can just fill the album with shit (laughs) (laughs) oh i should get him on here to talk about aliens he'd be a great guest (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting because i feel like i feel like for our generation blink 182 is kind of like a a a reference that everyone should get everyone 
because they're still they'll still be on like the radio Mm -hmm. they'll still be like played at bars a lot Mm -hmm. um and then even like i i watched one of those actually i think kids general younger kids uh do kind of know because like it's like for us like we knew who the stones and Mm -hmm. the Beatles and like all these other like the who like we knew who they were for the most part like i'm not gonna you know generalize everyone's experience but like the those bands were like pretty fucking old at that point um but yeah i it's blink is definitely like a pretty in the culture band so i think i thought i just thought i was so cool though (laughs) i would have hated you oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) i mean like man that fucking kid i was i was good friends with uh one of my good friends in high school was a, a dude who really liked um I don't know how to describe this type of music, but very like poppy, like emo rock. Like he liked mm-hmm. bands that were very similar to Paramore, like All Time Low, yeah, and like stuff like that, yeah. Death Cab for Cutie, yeah, shit like yeah. that. Like he was really into that. He's always wearing like neon shirts yeah, and shit. Yeah. I was like, and I'm like a, I was like a huge metalhead at the time. I was oh, like, this shit is all yeah. fucking so stupid, but it is what it is. Yeah, I don't think we would have been <laughs> friends in high school because I was definitely like more pop punk, mm-hmm. like than anything. And I thought I was so, I really thought that like that was like the pinnacle of music at the time. Like, I was like, this is, people are listening to the Beatles, but like, why? Like, we have uh, Fallout Boy. Like, <laughs> why are people doing that? See, in my mind, I was like, why would you listen to pop punk? They're not even angry at anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, they should be singing about like murder and like, yeah. and like mountain fortresses and midnight and shit like that, you know? Like, my yeah. my hot take now is like the only people who like are super into like metal are like just nerds and like white supremacists yeah, unfortunately those are the two. yeah <laughs> and most of them are nerds you go to any metal show you look around you're like all right i could take every single one of you <laughs> i could take every single one of you but not in like super smash bros yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i feel like i feel like part of me i i want to do like niche stuff because i feel like i can carve out like unique humor but yes. like presenting it in a palatable way that's yeah. challenging and that's that's a fun challenge too mm. yeah to present it in a palatable way i also i you probably have seen me do this joke but i did a joke about how i watch anime on the train now and then i, I tag it with something like you guys remember those kids in high school who would wear their naruto headbands <laughs> and I, like i talked about how they had more confidence than all of us and we hated them for it like because they just got to be <laughs> themselves that's like so true because like we're all going through puberty we hate ourselves and we're like oh who am i who am i whatever these kids woke up one morning and walked into high school just like, yeah, I'm a Leaf Village ninja. Yeah. So what? You know? <laughs> and there was one time I did a show and the crowd was like younger. I was like, you guys remember those kids who wore those Nar- the, their Naruto headbands to high school? Nothing. And oh, I was like, oh, interesting. Oh, like, am I going to have to find an anime that's more relatable? Yeah. <laughs> like I have to step it down. Something. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like your Blink 182 stuff, you could. You could pick sides. You could be like, oh, instead of talking about Bleak 182, you could talk about like Ghost Mane or MGK. Or you could go the other way and be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to talk about the Smashing Pumpkins. Fuck all. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Yeah, go deeper into the 90s. The offspring. The uh, offspring. Bleak 182's natural predecessors, (laughs) um, who I don't like their music, to be honest. Yeah, it's fine. fine. They got a couple hits. Yeah. I like the One Butthole Surfer song, but I love their band name. It's a good band name. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you should just stick to it, and uh, then you'll you cater to Gen Xers because they have more money than we do. That's true, and they're predominantly the audience yeah, to exactly. comedy now. It's Gen Xers, and then like 
like millennials yeah like the general comedy audiences now yeah it's true i don't know i I sometimes i think about like like where do you what do you think the future of stand-up is in the next like 10 20 years do you think it's like it's gonna largely be the same type of art form or do you think it's gonna change i I think i think it's just such a it's like there is a um, i mean so i remember reading about like how there was like a stand-up boom in like the nineties where like mm. everyone was getting on TV, everyone was like getting new specials or whatever. Um, and like, I think that's kind of happening again, obviously, because like, you know, streaming services, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, just, there's so much more opportunity to like, you know, get your stuff out there, especially like now with like social media, TikTok, YouTube, there's, it's just, you know, anyone could muster up like a million views on TikTok with a, like a pretty good joke. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> like, I haven't posted, but, you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to just post one after saying this and getting, like, five views. And just like, oh, well, all right. <laughs> it's the name of the game. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like years from now, I think it's just going to keep evolving. And, like, I think the genres are, I want to, like, say, I also just need to, as a person, preface, like, I don't fucking know anything. But, yeah. like, what I think is, like, the, the genre, like, things are splintering off in so many directions. Like, you can see the divide mm-hmm. of stand-up comedy, of, like, the the Rogan, like, Schultz, like, uh, you know, what that whole, like, side of it of, like, mm-hmm. st- say whatever you want, like, be as irreverent and, like, as, like, push the line as much as possible mm-hmm. is, like, on one end of the spectrum, I think. And then on the other end, it's, like, the, let's, like, see what stand-up can really become with like you know that was driven kind of by like nanette Mm -hmm. and like that like you know the gadsby so like you know you look at someone like drew michael i don't know if you know him he's like his last special was like incredible i would red red, blue red blue green on hbo it's awesome um but like it's Berbiglia, like mm-hmm. this like very mm-hmm. real human side that's almost like one man, one woman showy type right, right. thing that just like really gets into real stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see, I think it's just going to keep like, it's just, it's so, there's so much opportunity to get your stuff out there that it's honestly like we're talking about niche. Like you can be as niche as you want on the internet. Mm-hmm. because you're gonna find every like you know the algorithms are gonna point you to everyone who gets that joke that's very true part. yeah so it's like you can kind of if you you know if you're live for an audience that's one thing where you're like oh i have to like figure out how to make this palatable for them mm-hmm. but with the niche stuff like you can do that naruto headband joke on tiktok and you're gonna find everyone in our age range who gets that fucking right joke. right and i think that's what it is it's just like gonna just be there's so many different directions it's going in that there's i i almost think it's like the the like great comedian the like uh cultural icon comedian is like gonna be gone because it just depends on who you like yeah you know like there's never gonna be you know i think like like louis we were talking about is like the great comedian like Mm. you could even argue for like mulaney as like Mm. being like the comedian that everyone Right, right. You know, not the world, but like everyone for the most part knows. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, Chappelle is kind of that, depending on what your feeling is about his stuff. But like, you know, realistically, every time he puts a special out, everyone talks about it as far as I can see. Right, right. Um, So, sorry about the sniffles. I feel like uh, Trump in the the 16 debates, you know. (laughs) Um, I I think I have a deviated septum, undiagnosed, but I think it's just like 
this nostril has always been a problem for me. Um, uh, <laughs> That's going to be the clip for the episode that I yeah, post. Just... <laughs> Sorry, I think I got a news. That's going to be the one that lives on Instagram. Forever. It kind of defines me as a comedian um, yeah. <laughs> because I can't really breathe between my jokes. It's a problem. A lot yeah. of sniffles material yeah. going on tonight. <laughs> uh, nose pick is mostly nose stuff. Nose picking, sniffling, mm. uh, allergies. That's all. That's all my stuff. Come check it out. It's Whoa, a good time. Uh, you're going to be performing at uh, eyes, nose, and throat. Ear, no ears, nose, and throat doctor yeah. conventions. <laughs> I'm going to nail that shit. Uh, I got to work on my ears and eyes stuff or yeah ears and eyes or throat and eyes ears is it ent is it ears or ears eyes? nose and throat it's i think ears, I, nose, and throat. it has to be because they're all connected by like the by the sinuses oh that makes sense yeah good i didn't know any of that no the it's actually eyes nose and throat because if you sneeze too hard your eyes can pop out so <laughs> <laughs> that's why the eyes are included yeah been there dude been there, been there. had to go to the doctor for that one uh, <laughs> it's a tough time real talk though when i was lifeguarding in high school and college um the meme procedure that we prepared for is as lifeguards they trained us what to do in case someone's eye popped out <laughs> <laughs> which is like keep my, most of our job is like giving people band-aids yeah. and then very okay like once a year someone actually needs cpr has like a an, an emergency that's yeah. not drowning they just someone will just collapse on deck yeah. and you call 911 and do what you yeah. can no one's eye has ever popped out but yeah. <laughs> every every single month at our two-hour training we'd be like okay we're gonna run a scenario what do you guys want to do and so be like eye evulsion <laughs> <laughs> we all know no, what you yeah. do you put it in a cup you cover the other oh, eye that's insane yeah the, you, they say uh yeah so you you put you put the popped out eye in a styrofoam cup or something hold it to their face and you cover the other eye because the eyes can still see so if they're like they're gonna throw up because it's gonna like oh my yeah that's so insane you want to cover I that could. shit up yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's Wow, that's that happened one time in a pool, and some guy went back to the lifeguard convention and was like, we need to talk about this, and just brought it to everybody, and they're like, now we all need to train this way. My mom had a friend who, he sneezed on an airplane, and his eye popped out, and he just put it back in, and it's like, what? It's like, this happens? I don't know. I guess it's a real thing. This is getting out of control. Like, yeah. <laughs> Talking about eyes popping out. Have you ever had like a, a life experience or something or an arc of your life that you've wanted to talk about on stage but can never figure out how to do it? Um, I'm going to sound so douchey, but yeah. I also thought that you were just going to stop at life experience. Have you ever had a life experience and then just like... Not, not like Have you ever felt no. something? Yeah. <laughs> just the broadest questions of a podcast possible. So... How much life have you lived? Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> um, so life experience, yeah. So I'm gonna sound so douchey. I it's when I I studied abroad, uh, and nice. not to be like this fucking guy, <laughs> but like it kind of did like make me feel different as a person. Like not in that like my eyes were opened or that like like obviously yeah, I experienced like a lot of different types mm -hmm. of people, like different things. But like the real thing for it was is that it was the first time that like I wasn't. It wasn't like the community that I was in. It was all so. So I'll, I'll just preface like I went the second semester. So like everyone who's at this school in England already had like all their friends, except for all the international kids who like got there at the same time as me. So okay. we all formed a community really quick. 
and like all knew each other and so it was, we studied studied abroad in England. yes okay. yeah and like there were kids from like all different right, countries right. there and basically like what i think it was if i look when i look back on it because i've thought about it a lot is like it it was the first time i wasn't in like a hierarchical type of community where like you know in high school it's like who's you know popular who does sports and like right, everyone right. has all these pre-existing relationships college it's like you know sorority fraternity mm-hmm. clubs whatever clubs you're in this thing that thing and this was like everyone just was like on equal footing and you could just like be yourself kind mm. of and just like let that happen and i've tried to like talk about it in that not in that way because mm. like that's just super earnest and I, not that that's a bad w- way to be obviously but like the the way i've tried to talk about it is that people who say study abroad change them more are just talking about all the sex that i had with foreigners changed me <laughs> like that's really what it is yeah yeah because i i did you know it was very uh yeah uh <laughs> so that's that's what it is it's, yeah you just you know you get to and also the other part of it is that you get to feel interesting with like the the lowest bar because mm-hmm. you just talk about being american and like eating cereal in the morning they're like cereal for <laughs> breakfast like it's like what's your grocery store like and you're like oh it's filled with junk food they're like i knew it like you know it's like, honestly that would be fucking dope i yeah. would love that because like i think i think you'd the, the few times you actually get to feel special as an American is when someone from another country comes here and yeah. you're friends with them. And you yeah. get to you get to show them stuff and they're like, wow. Yeah, they're like, wow, you don't have public transit between cities? That's crazy. And you're like, yeah, we got to drive. It's great. Um, you're like, you won't believe how much we distrust our government. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> you're going to be wowed. Uh, yeah. So you've, tr- you've tried to write a joke about studying abroad in this perspective. It, it's it's kind of like... I. Yeah, it's it's hard not to be hacky about it too because you you can just easily make the joke like oh I studied abroad so I'm like better than you blah 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 mm-hmm. like and but also I just I think I haven't found like a really funny part of it yet like mm-hmm. a really fun like those two things I just said were like kind of funny and yeah like, kind of worked but like it's definitely like something I I, I just like talk like want to talk about it because I think I don't know it's I think the perspective is is that the more people are like open to like other types of people and other experiences like obviously like that's just better for you know everyone the right, more right. The perspectives you hear mm-hmm. um yeah so that's, a, that's a that's like i don't know i've got a couple of those things mostly about early jobs i've had mm. and i i feel like especially once you've been in like if you're in it it's easy to talk about what's going on right now like you could write a joke yeah. about your coworkers and your social experiences right now because you're in it but yeah. when you look back and you have something that was like, oh, this was a year or six months. You can look back and be like, there was just too many things. How do you, like, yeah. I don't know. How do I fit, like, all the dynamics in? Another, so uh, similar to what you said, mm-hmm. another thing that I've tried to talk about is my first job was at McDonald's. Okay. And I worked there for, like, three years, basically. Whoa. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was mostly on, like, in, when I was still in high school working there, it was on weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, in the summer, I would work more. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, I would go to college, not work there, and then come back on breaks and work there. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, on and off. But it was interesting because, like, that was, like, my ego death was, like, mm-hmm. being in a McDonald's drive-thru and having, like, a woman, like, in a minivan so, like, anxious to get the food for, her, like, her kids. And I was just, like, it was, like, the first time in, you know, like, your stupid teenage brain where you're, like, oh, like, other people's things, like, really matter to them (laughs) but like i don't 
like I yeah, for yeah. me you're just another person I got to give chicken nuggets to yeah. like it's not but like it's it's a different perspective so that that but i have like tried to talk about it but it's like mm. another thing where it's like people talk about like mcdonald's mm. in a lot of different ways so it's like hard not to be hacky what's your favorite mcdonald's food nuggets all nuggets day. all all day oh, my, oh God. my gosh yeah i could i could have 40 nuggets so easily i always, okay so i'm gonna i'm 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 expressing this as someone who's been vegan almost nine years but before then i felt like the the first chicken nugget you bite into is heaven on earth once yeah. you get like six or seven in they you kind of get that oily fl- flavor <laughs> on your tongue that, yeah. and it's like nah, it's not that great so you gotta mix up like fries and get yeah double all saying you know, it but... my thing is what i miss the most i think about this all the time is i miss the stoner burger i miss getting a mcdouble and a hot and spice uh, mcchicken yeah. taking a bun out squishing it together oh yeah, we called it the the Oh yeah, the McDank. I McDank. Think that's what, what the name was in my. I've town. also heard it called the McGangbang. Yeah, McGangbang. That's the <laughs> other one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And now, that that one, like, in uh, in the UK, McDonald's has some vegan options right now, and I'm like, if they ever make a McDouble and a hot and spicy McChicken like into vegan. a vegan option i will be there every day i yeah. will eat it all the time i will gain 50 pounds and yeah. my body will be mostly preservatives i don't care yeah. it's delicious oh my god that'd be so funny the mick gang i'm trying to think of like a good name for it the mick uh the mick impossible i can't even th- i'm not oh yeah i'm trying to think of a good name for it I, I think bang, it, vegan McGangbang. I What's think the, that should be the f- official name. <laughs> just the what, the just the value menu. It's on there. The McGangbang. Yeah, you know what you're getting. <laughs> yeah, but vegan. But vegan, so. exactly. <laughs> the uh, uh, what was it? The other one. Uh, so like, um, you called the McDank. Yeah, we call it the McDank. McDank. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's a. Uh, I don't. I can't think of a vegan pun for it off the yeah, top of my I know. head. It's, it's a hard <laughs> it's challenging. one. Challenging. We're gonna have to go home and uh, do some homework. Yeah, you know, exactly. We'll come back next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel so. I had like a, something similar in college. I worked at a uh, place called Cafe Rio, mm-hmm. which is like Chipotle but for smothered burritos. It's like a it's like a chain based out of Utah, so it's right. like in some western states. And I'm in my f- after my first year of engineering school, I am working the summer as the dishwasher in this chain like counter serve fast food place essentially. That was my customer service ego death where yeah. I was just like ugh, but they it was weird cuz they like all the other employees like worshiped me as the dishwasher because the other dishwashers were so bad at their job <laughs> that they would be washing dishes till like 2 a.m. and the manager couldn't leave, but I was like my shift is over at 10.30. All these dishes are going to be done by 10.30, yeah. and I'm going to be leaving. Yeah. And that was, like, amazing for them. And I was like, <laughs> I'm overqualified for yeah. this. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing I worked this. Too. You're not supposed to work hard at a job like this, and I can't help it. No, uh. exactly. And I, I don't know. Like, though, like, the early jobs, it's just hard. Like, I mean, I have I, I lifeguarded for, like, three years. I have like a hundred stories about it. I feel like I could write a half hour if I really tried, but also it's hard to revisit that because it's been so long. Yeah. You want to get, cause you, the, the, the beauty of it is like the specifics, like the real specifics. Mm -hmm. Like you can generally say like what it was like, but it's like when, when you're not living it, it's really hard. Like, I think that's like the genius of someone Mm -hmm. like Mulaney is he can like revisit the specifics of his childhood. So fucking perfectly. Yeah. So specific. (laughs) Like his mm. dad 
driving them to McDonald's and then getting a black coffee. Like that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. And it's like such, so detailed. You can mm-hmm. tell it lives in his memory. Right. It's not just something he's like, pull. I mean, maybe he makes it, but like, whatever. When but, he's like, he's like lighting a firework or something. And his mom is like, what are you doing? And he answers as if she actually wanted to know what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that I was going to light this firework because, uh, I'm mad all the time or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And yeah. And that's like, I feel like that, like Louis C.K., right? He didn't pop off as a comic until he had kids. Cause, yeah. And because he has these vivid image, like vivid yeah. discussions with his kids and like the very tangible struggles of it. And I'm yeah. like, that's what makes it so good, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like every great comedian at some point has this like flavor enhancer moment where it's like their skills click into place onto like a certain topic or a certain yeah. angle and it just works out you yeah, know definitely yeah and i think that's like what you, why you try so many different things when you're mm-hmm. you know at this point like we're both like still new obviously so like try as, as talking about as many different parts of yourself or your experiences or your thoughts that you can and just like pull you know see what really vibes with people yeah um definitely that's what makes me feel so stupid i've talked about him so much on this podcast but every time i see dylan adler perform i'm like god i'm such an idiot <laughs> he's like he's so good he has his voice he's funny as hell he knows where he's going and i'm like what do i do i'm like fucking i don't know i riff yeah. at an empty bar show most yeah. times like <laughs> yeah uh, uh, yeah when you like meet people who know like just so much who they are already it's it's tough because you're like damn like how, how am i gonna you know close that gap in a way of like figuring out who i am but um like you know we even people in our circles like know exactly like you know we you mentioned dave dobbins Mm -hmm. like he just knows exactly who he likes to be i mean it's not like it's a character obviously obviously (laughs) but it is the best when you see a crowd that doesn't know (laughs) oh my god (laughs) oh that has no idea it's so funny there's there's like times at our show where he comes down he's like i don't think they figured out that it was like they didn't i didn't think they connected with me for the first half (laughs) yeah because they were still like is he being but then he like laughs so much and is so jolly that you're like oh it is gotta be there yeah Yeah. i Um, think that's that's his thing is like when he figures out what the character kind of is oh there's a cat okay yeah it's either like you know like oh it's like pastor dave or it's just like generic republican david yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like once he has like the tone of the character it's like he can just like riff and make all the little pieces work yeah but if it's not in the character then it's like all right this jokes i'm trying to make it yeah i don't know yeah yeah yeah. it's interesting i'm like i have no idea who the fuck i am someone was like uh oh my good friend alex richards at one point i was i was talking about this with him i was like i don't know what my voice is like i'm just trying to figure out what like makes me good what's funny and unique about me and he goes well there's something to be said about you being like a reliable and safe person on stage and i was like there's something to be said for being funny actually like (laughs) (laughs) no you know what but i i I would say that there is truly i think alex uh your friend alex has a point where it's like if you can be like not to i'm not saying it's like a struggle to be like Mm. but if you can be a white guy who gets on stage and immediately is like can make a diverse audience of all different people feel like oh i can listen to this guy and Mm. not like feel like something bad is gonna happen There is something to be said for that. We get so much credit for just not like <laughs> not a- attacking an audience. Yeah, I'm just like patting myself on the back for like being like neutral in any way. Listen, uh, I went up there, I smiled, and I told the funny that everyone could laugh at. Yeah. I didn't, there was no hate speech. It was incredible. They loved me. 
<laughs> that's all you have to do to be a good white guy oh, comedian is not make people be like, I that was hateful every second. It's so funny because a lot of times like when I meet new comedians and they like are like, I don't know, there's some people like I've heard stories, I've heard it's bad. I'm like, listen, there is so many like all the straight white guys, there are so many amazing ones who wish to do no harm and want yeah. to be included and want to be a, in part of a good community. Yeah. And then you'll just be at an open mic one time and one of them will walk up and just say some horrible shit and you're like, Oh my god. Not, yeah. I forgot that it still happens. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Just because none of my friends would ever do this doesn't mean that a uh, stranger we've never met before won't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just hear, you hear so much stuff, and it's like I always give people credit because, like, you know, you're new or you're, you're f- trying to figure something out, and if you like, a lot of times too, when I listen to like super edge material, like it's someone who doesn't know what they're doing yeah. trying the hardest form of comedy realistically. Like yeah. in my mind, that's so difficult to like walk that line mm-hmm. in the way that like actually like can generate like laughs and agreement and stuff. Um, but so like, I'm like, Oh, they're figuring it out. But sometimes it's, it is someone where you're like, Oh no, you're just, you're not figuring anything out. You know what you're saying. And it's just <laughs> awful. Uh, so well, it's like, I feel like I don't, I can't off the top of my head really think about anyone that, I think does edgy material at our stage and yeah. really pulls it off well. Like yeah. the closest I can think of is like Ryan O'Toole. Like Ryan O'Toole, but he's all he, that's just like his nature in yeah. a way. Yeah, and he has a funny accent, so it works. <laughs> uh, a Boston accent, he's fine. Yeah, you could say the R word, and everyone's like, ah, he said he. You yeah. know, like, ah, who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's like I'm I'm in the I'm very much in the camp of just like my my comedy is i go up and i talk about my my feelings yeah. <laughs> like what happened to me this week okay we're gonna talk about it but like yeah. the people i admire people who are just jokey right like mm-hmm. like that's one thing i like about like you right like mm-hmm. i think you're in this camp of you when i watch your stand-up i'm like oh this is well-written material <laughs> like <laughs> he tried and it paid off this is great <laughs> you know <laughs> Sometimes hard work pays off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I appreciate that. Because I feel like everyone's a little different. Mm-hmm. And like, even though you're not like like a one-liner comic, right? Mm-hmm. Like one-liner comics, obviously, I think is like the most written comedian you can yeah. be. Yeah. And then you're like kind of like, there's like storytellers who are also kind of written. But a lot of it is just like you tell the story in a realistic way. You just yeah. have to hit, this, hit these points, yeah. right? Yeah. You're kind of in between where it's like you actually... You have like I feel like a what you would expect like a classic stand-up comedian to have is like good material that has a narrative structure that's just not like quick zingers yeah, basically. Yeah. That's yeah, and I think that's like I like both mm. like the the one the tight one. Like I'm super jealous like of people who can not jealous like is the right word, but like um I really admire people who can do that. Like uh, like you know our friend Benny mm. Feldman great one-liner comedian uh there's so and there's so many great one-liner comedians in Mm -hmm. uh, new york and i think it's just so fun to like get a peek in like their like logic twists it's it's such a great and i like to so i like that side of it but i love like the like berbiglia of like the like here's a big story that (laughs) i'm gonna get into every piece of it Mm -hmm. but like dive off into like different jokes yeah i think that's where and it's also like you know i think it it just comes from like like the mix of it of like the storytelling with the jokes is is that i want to try to be original in mm-hmm. a way so my what naturally comes from that is like me just talking about my own experiences right and then like seeing if i can like format a joke 
out mm. of like that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's easier than others. Some things aren't really that funny. Yeah. When you think of them, but like sometimes like you just have something happen and you're like, that's a joke right away. Mm. So like it's yeah, definitely a, a good mix. Um I feel like the joke I always associate you with is your girlfriend introducing you to ranch dressing despite yes. <laughs> you being the white guy in the relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice jokey joke. Um where yeah, if uh so like my girlfriend's uh Indian for anyone who doesn't know. Um uh she uh yeah so like the whole joke is like she introduced me to ranch dressing um but like then i say oh you're appropriating my culture like mm. uh and it's just <laughs> it's it is like it's a quick like stupid little joke that i kind of just use to introduce the other things that i want to talk about like with right. my relationship mm. um the much like larger stories that aren't as quick to get into so right. it's like i found it's like a good little intro um those are yeah. great when you get those like when you have those little pieces and then you're like, oh, I can just stick this to the front yeah. of these two other ones and then they make a line. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you can kind of like work it as like a conversation. Like one thing that I found that um, my girlfriend as like a non-stand-up mm. kind of like pushed me to do Yeah, is like how important sometimes, like if you're doing bits, how important the transitions are. Yeah. Because people underestimate like the fact that it does like so much of stand up is just like conversation. If you're not doing like mm-hmm. one liners, like it's conversational, right? Right. So, like, f- seeming like you're going naturally from one thing to the other, mm-hmm. just like almost off the top of your head is the illusion, right? It like gets it just like kind of keeps audiences like right there with you, mm-hmm. as opposed to like she would like tell me earlier on that like I would like do a joke pause look down or pause look down and then like go to the next joke mm-hmm. and like it's like it's just like that little thing that makes it feel like a little less professional mm-hmm. almost um, yeah. yeah the worst i think worse than that is the people who say okay uh no transition here yeah it's like okay we wouldn't have minded yeah if you just it, that's the thing sometimes that that is how it goes just like mm-hmm. anyway so um quick you know quick thing here mm-hmm. uh like quick question for the audience like just go into that and like no one notices Mm -hmm. yeah unless like you say something that's wildly different yeah then like saying yeah it's a good transition (laughs) that's something that everyone does but like not everyone but like yeah it's something that you hear a lot but it's it's okay if the transition is really wild to be like self-aware right absolutely yeah i think that's good i I think my solution is after a joke uh i kind of especially like if it's a written joke Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why. I feel like my written jokes, I lose the audience at some point. And then, like, they're with me at the beginning, and then I lose a quarter of them, and then they're, like, half of them are there for the punchline. And then mm. then I'm just coming around at the end of every joke and just cleaning up and being, like, like being real with them. Like, all right, so you guys have a problem with this or something. Like, <laughs> like be present. It's like, okay, yeah. the written joke is not a present thing. But then commenting on it brings it back into the present. Yeah. Like, all right, so we're all aware that that didn't go well. No, yet. yeah. And I think that's important to do um, at times. Um, like, especially if it's like a long joke and you feel like you lost them, definitely. Mm. I think it's like being present is like the most underrated. And that's something you're obviously like super good at um, that any mic show i've ever seen you at you're always just like super there which is not a lot of people are like that I which try. is so interesting i you try know, very no, hard you yeah. <laughs> you're doing well doing good my uh, secret for people who want to start is uh if you ever do a comedy show you watch every single comedian before you watch the whole show yeah. you don't you don't ask the same questions other other comedians yeah. do and if they if you have something that you're curious about from a crowd member you ask that i don't know yeah to yeah. show that you were paying attention. Yeah, yeah. no, it's so uh-huh. it's always so interesting to to watch that. Like I I was at a Greenwich recently mm-hmm. and I watched 
every single comedian asked the same couple how they met. And uh, it was to the point where uh, Vanessa Jackson, like, yeah, very, yeah. she, like, noticed it. And she's like, I'm going to ask him anyway. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, like, did it on purpose. And oh I, was, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. That she just went up and acted like she was. It was, like, more for, like, the comics. I like, can't. It makes me yeah. cringe. It's so... Yeah. When you when I watch that happen, I'll be like, I'm like, you guys, you're you don't know it, but you're making the these audience members hate you. Yeah, like right away, they're like, oh, yeah, we've been dating four years, we met on Hinge, okay, like they yeah. just like hate hate about it. One of my favorite things, like at Two Virgins, is like when we we like to start crowd work early with some people, mm-hmm. and like when you get these little plot points, and generally the comedians are all there listening. Yeah. So it's like, okay, these people first date, these people are here for like this type yes. of meetup and like here's like the little details. And yeah. then over the course of the show, people like are mining more information yeah. out of them and it just gets funnier to the point where it's like, all right, this show truly wasn't about our material. We were just like riffing on shit we learned about random people. I you mean, know? yeah, but that's like the best when mm-hmm. especially if you have a good group of comics who can like hit those points too. Oh, it's like that's that's like the ma- the most like that's when comedy really is mad. Like people, you know, I've heard people talk about it at open mics where like mm-hmm. if you're at an open mic and you just riff on the room or like riff on like the host or whatever, it's like almost like a cheat code, but it's yeah. not even a cheat code because you can do that and still not be funny. Right. It's like, it's just the fact that like being present is like, so it's like, it's funnier than any bit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? It's yeah. like, I think the thing you have to do and I, it took me like two years to figure this out. But if you're on a show and you're in the middle, you have to riff on one thing. It has to be the crowd. Yeah. It has to be the comic before you, the host, or like the room. Yeah. You know, you yeah. pick one of those, make a two-second comment about it, yep. and then they will be on your side and ready to listen. That's yeah, it. exactly. Just like showing that you you saw what happened. Yeah. You're, you're also in the room. Yeah. That's like that <laughs> thing was crazy. Like whatever. Yeah. yeah. My hardest bomb ever was because I started my set and they sat a table of eight right in front of the stage at like this restaurant. Uh-huh. There's all this commotion and I just ignored it. Yeah. <laughs> was it? I wasn't there yet. And yeah. because I ignored it, everyone was just gone. They just, yeah. I was like, all right, that's yeah. <laughs> it's It's so interesting though. Cause like there are times where the commotion, like it's like, yeah, you should, if it's at the top, like, right. You call it out, you say whatever. Um, but I've had times where like, if you just muscle through some of that stuff. Sorry. I'm no, you're, you're good. Turning my chair. Playing, it's too big. You didn't for this. see it, but uh, playing footsies under there. It was crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, like sometimes like I've done like bar shows mm-hmm. where like it's kind of just like some people are talking. Some people are there to see comedy. Some people aren't. Yeah. And, like people are talking. You just power through for the people who are listening. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. that might, <laughs> sometimes it's, it's what you have to, unfortunately, if you, you can try and be like, Hey, like shut up over there in a mm-hmm. funny way. Um, but like, I found that sometimes, like I did a show in Philly the other night. Um, uh, Benny actually like told, introduced me to his friend mm-hmm. to put me on a show. It was really nice. Um, and it was a fun show. I, I like kind of lost them after like one, like the, f- I did, I did like a little riff, on how I'd been to Philly before because my cousin had a wedding at Dave and Buster's. Yeah. So stupid. <laughs> um, so, but like that, they kind of like that. And then I did one joke that kind of just didn't, they just like didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I almost was, I almost like, I almost was like, well, that sucked. You guys hate that. But I, <laughs> I was just like, you know what? Let me just go forward mm-hmm. do some other stuff. And I did. And I went in and I got them back by the end. And so like sometimes just to like, power through and go through 
sometimes it works, but usually the better option is just be present. Yeah. And I will <laughs> say winning a crowd back though is so fucking hard. Oh it's, yeah. Like if, if they've lost you, I've only done it one time where I lost them for the first half. And then by the end I was doing pretty well. And I was like, yeah, I don't even know how to feel about this. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got off stage in Philly and said, sorry to the producer. And he was like, what? You were fine at the end. You had like, you were in the pocket at the end. And I was like, all right, well, geez. I, well, I'm still going to feel bad about it. The yeah, whole time. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really, uh, yeah, it's, it was an interesting feeling because I really did this one joke. And at the end of it, people in the corner were literally talking like full volume, like loudly. And I almost was like, I like kind of had a moment where I was like, I can either address that mm -hmm. and like try and talk to them, bring them back. Or I can just do a couple other jokes. Thing is, is if you bomb for like three to four minutes, like this one bomb I had was like a minute joke, a mm -hmm. minute and a half. So like if you bomb for like three, four minutes, then you're not being present if you don't. Yeah talk about it a little bit <laughs> you gotta stop you, you gotta, gotta like yeah uh, i always think about the story of like tig notaro mm -hmm. um, when she was like bombing in naples florida she just like gets off stage sits down at one of the chairs in the front and goes i mean what's going on like <laughs> she was like they paid me to be here you all paid to be here like what let's talk about it and she like had a conversation with them and eventually won them back but it's like that's like the most present you can be yeah but just no fourth wall yeah. whatsoever yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> just we're all here let's uh <laughs> so we're we're kind of at the end here yeah and i ask everybody this at the end i've re i've shrunk the size of this question for the listeners who are regulars but <laughs> what in a couple words or a sense whatever you feel like what do you love about stand-up comedy i love um i i think i i just i i love the the feeling of like making sense of things in a way like because mm -hmm. you have this idea and you get to go up with it and then if people laugh you're like it does so what i am saying does connect in yeah. a way it's not like real connection mm -hmm. like i'm not like you know if you go to <laughs> if you go to stand-up comedy as a substitute for intimacy it's not gonna work but <laughs> um but yeah it's just that that feeling of like you're a little bit more sane today because you're proving your sanity almost and the fact that you can say this thing and it does make sense yeah it's it is generating laughs where it's supposed to mm -hmm. and that that kind of like is what i like about it i like the challenge of like figuring that out mm. and how can i you know develop these like even maybe more complex ideas as i go forward mm -hmm. like to like really connect with people in a way yeah. i like that it's very cool you get cool. like dig the puzzle aspect of it <laughs> yeah exactly it's like i've such an I, all my jobs have had analyst in the title all my day jobs so it's like yeah burger analyst yeah. <laughs> mcdonald's yeah that's what i was <laughs> all right kevin you've been awesome this has been a great episode Thanks, man. where can the people find you uh on instagram uh i'm at it's kevy with two eyes at the end i-t-s-k-e-v-i-i -I. it's a terrible instagram name to have to tell people <laughs> but like i i've had it since yeah. i was 15 so i'm not changing wow it. <laughs> it's a pretty solid one thanks dude for a kid kid account <laughs> i know yeah uh all right yeah. well thank you for coming on cool. guys thank you so much for listening go check out kevin's uh stand-up instagram go to his shows and stuff um and uh i'll talk to you all next week bye Thank you.